This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening. Good to see all of you out today. God bless you. Glad you made it. Just a couple announcements again. Remember, ladies, that church night is Friday night. We welcome you to come to that. And then right after the service tonight, the faith closet will be open. You need to be sure and get your children first. And then, again, don't, don't forget to register for the EXO uh, marriage conference that's coming up. There's brochures out there for that. Uh, if you've got a Bible, go with me to, to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6. And as you're turning there, I, I just want to share a little bit. You know, on Wednesday nights all over the house of God, Downstairs, our, our little kids are meeting. Upstairs, the faith kids, the kindergarten through uh, fifth graders. Just always a great move of God. And then at the other end, our teenagers are meeting. And uh, last, last Wednesday night, I got into the, the, the office on Thursday morning, and there's a young man down there who he told me tonight he's 13 years old and uh, just really, really ornery. And he's kind of been like a magnet to me and to most of the people down there. And part of that is his, his parents don't come here. One of our great families started bringing him. And one of the little girls that goes to school with him, she invited him. And so he came. And one of the reasons that I really gravitated toward him because he's had uh, three open heart surgeries. And so every week I, I find out more about him. But the thing that I became so blessed with that last Wednesday night he made Jesus Lord of his life for the very first time. And I, I highlight that because those things are happening all across this house in different ages. And so I, I celebrate those things. And I believe it's very important that, that we celebrate them too. So, man, that is, that is good news. That is some good stuff you can chew on that for a while, okay? We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. I'm in, I'm in 1 Timothy 6, verse 7. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be arrogant, not to be prideful. Now, he uses the word command here. He said, command those who are rich, and if you'll notice exactly what, in this present age, right now, don't be haughty or arrogant. So there's a couple warnings there that wealth has the ability to cause me to be haughty. It, it causes to have the ability to, to look at people that I'm better than you because what I have. Now, when he says this is to the rich, many times when we say that in here, people will say, well, I'm not rich. Let me help you out a little bit with that. If you live in America, you're rich. Because the poorest American is more wealthier than 95% of the rest of the world. Wow. So you know what? He is talking to us. And, and let me highlight something for you on that. Do you have a roof over your head? You're rich. Do, do you have food? You're rich. Do, do you have electricity in your home? You're rich. Do, do you have running water that's actually drinkable? 
you're rich. And I think a lot of times we over, overlook these statements that the Lord Jesus said. Let me ask you this right now. How many of you in here have a TV in your home? How many of you have more than one TV in your home? You're rich. You're rich in the eyes of the rest of the world. You know why I'm saying that? God will bless you. But he said, don't allow those riches to cause you to become prideful or all puffed up. And as an American, I, I see that. You see it all the time where people roll their nose up at people because look at me. And Jesus is warning this and he says not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches. And when he says in uncertain riches, he's talking about things that we have the thought, they're going to bring me security. Well, they're not going to bring you security. And, and look at how he ends this verse. But trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, God's desire is to, to get us where we enjoy all things, but it must be done his way. And so in Matthew 6, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. And again, all these things shall be added to you. So guess what God said? Just do it God's way. And when I do it God's way, he says, man, for you to richly enjoy it. Now, when it says don't trust in these uncertain riches, I, I was thinking about that and just sitting there meditating. And, and think about this with a, a dollar bill, our currency, a dollar bill. Right there on that dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. What would happen if we actually lived by what that dollar bill said? And, and you know what, with that printed on there, you know what it's almost saying to me? Don't trust in this. Trust in him. Trust in him. And so get a hold of this passage, okay? And understand, if I'll do everything in my life like God tells me, oh, I'm blessed. Golly, you walk in blessings, okay? Oh, Pastor, that was good. Well, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We honor you tonight. And we thank you again just for your word. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that has caused us to be haughty, we, we repent of it. And Lord, let, let there be a grace upon us that we, we truly trust you. And the way that we show our trust, we obey you. And we thank you for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, great Wednesday night. I, I tell you, I love to Wednesday nights. These are some of the greatest times of my life. One of the reasons I say that is the majority of people, they don't come to Wednesday night services out of duty or out of obligation. They come because they say, man, I, I want to hear the Word of God. I, I want to get fed the Word of God. And so I like on Wednesday nights, it's just a midweek pit stop for you, just to get some of the Word of God. So go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and uh, we'll keep hitting some of this area for the upcoming weeks, you know, on these these areas of faith that I believe will be really significant. Mark 11, I encourage you, get your Bible, and I know many of you may look on a phone app, however you look at the Word of God, but, but learn to write down the Word, especially scriptures that begin to minister to your heart. So we talked about this last week. That a lot of times people will say, well, words are cheap. And in one sense, words are cheap. When you say words that you don't actually mean or fulfill the words you say. 
But there's another side of words when people say words are cheap. No, words are really, really, really expensive. And a, a verse for you to mark down and get a hold of is, is Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Passion Translation says, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. Your words are so powerful, they have the ability to kill or to give life. So right there within our words, it's, it's a creative force. And just to help you with a little bit about the thinking here of my words, your words have the ability to change your eternal destination. That's how powerful your words are. And what I mean by that is with your words, you accept Jesus as Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says you believe with the heart and you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. You know, you cannot be forgiven of your sin without confessing or speaking your sin out of your mouth and saying, Father God, I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. So it's virtually impossible to, to, to walk in forgiveness without my words. And so just off of those two, two references right there, man, your words are powerful. Look with me starting in Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Now this is talking about Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus was hungry. And seen from afar a fig tree. Now, seen afar from a fig tree, sometimes I would, I would think about this. So what, what did he see about that? How, how did he know that was a fig tree? Well, it, this was one of the, the great things in Israel that when I was there, that the fig tree is very di distinctive looking. And, and I remember the first day that we saw a fig tree, I said to the, the, the interpreter or the guide with us, I said, is that a fig tree? And he said, that's a fig tree. And again, when it says from afar, he saw it. And so Jesus recognized it real quick. Keep reading here. So he sees that it's a fig tree from afar off. And having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, the fig tree, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the fig tree or the figs. Now, one thing that you can get off this real quick, that the closer he got, and, and when he began to examine it, it didn't have any fruit on it. And, and one analogy of this is I can look a certain way on the outside, but I have no fruit on the inside. And, and the Lord specifically said, and they'll know you by your fruit. So to a degree, it, it applies to this area also that you, you may appear a certain way spiritually, but if you don't have no fruit, it's not going to do you any good. Now, I begin to study on the fig tree a little bit, and it says that from a time that a, a fig tree seed is planted until it starts having fruit on it is three years. But once those three years come up, it produces a, a fruit twice a year. And so when Jesus saw the leaves, he thought, man, it's got to be figs on it. But there wasn't any. Verse 14. 
in response, Jesus said to it. Jesus said to it. He spoke directly to the fig tree. Now, if this wasn't significant to highlight, let me help you with some other things because when you study Jesus' life, he had a history of speaking to things. He spoke to a fig tree. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He spoke to demons. Now here's a good one for you. He spoke to a dead man. And remember what he spoke to Lazarus? They said, he's been dead for three days. He stinketh. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. So not only did Jesus speak to objects, he spoke the desired result. When he spoke to Lazarus, he didn't say, Lazarus, dude, I know you've been dead for three years. I hope you knew me as Lord and Savior. Before he spoke to Lazarus, he didn't knock on wood and say, oh, I hope this works. He spoke it exactly the way he wanted to receive it. Ooh, it's powerful, okay? Now, anytime Jesus did this, there were always people around. And I believe his purpose was to model to me and you the power of your word. See, Jesus knew that his words had creative power. So he speaks to the fig tree, and he said to it, let no one eat from, from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Same chapter, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, teacher, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. The, the fig tree that you have cursed has withered. Now, when he uses the word cursed, he wasn't saying that Jesus looked at the fig tree and said, you blankety-blank fig tree. The word curse literally means that Jesus spoke a negativity to the tree. And, and Peter, he hears it. Interesting that he hears it. Verse 21, and Peter again said, Remember to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree's curse is withered away. Man, my life isn't good without substance. Verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, to all his disciples, have faith in God or have the, the God kind of faith or better yet, Jesus, I believe, was telling his disciples and he was telling me and you, this is how you apply the God kind of faith. Now watch closely how Jesus gives us instructions on how the God kind of faith operates. For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, 
Now, we see something immediately. Whoever says to the mountain, whoever speaks to the mountain, that the mountain was resembling an obstacle, a hindrance, also a problem. Now, think about this in this sense. Jesus said, and whosoever will say unto the mountain. He didn't say, if you have a mountain. I believe this personally. If you live on this planet called earth, you're going to have some mountains. And another thing I want you to see completely that Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't deny the mountain. I think sometimes we have this thought, well, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. No, he didn't deny that there was a mountain, but what did he say the very first thing? The way the God kind of faith is applied, he said, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Keep reading, let's dissect this. Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Now, when you see the phrase, he does not doubt in his heart, that means I can't get over into unbelief. So it ties again, the way faith works is the same way it does with salvation. I believe with my heart and I speak or I confess with my mouth. And so right there, Jesus highlights how to apply the God kind of faith immediately. Speak to the mountains. And then he said, but believes those things he says. So I, I speak to the mountain, but I'm believing those things I says. Now, one of the greatest ways that it helps me and you to believe the things we say is when I get a hold of the word of God. The Lord Jesus said in John 8, 32, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, let me ask you a question. What's the truth? The word of God. And so the way faith comes is by hear the word of God. And so you start hearing the word of God and you start believing it. And because you believe it, you begin to speak it out of your mouth. And again, that's the rhema. That's the spoken word. And so the more you speak the word of God, the more you're going to sense faith start rising. And your level starts. It'll keep going up. And so he said, you got to believe those things that he says. And look how he ends this verse. It will be done. He will have whatever he says. Wow. Now, this was a promise that, that was written to me and you. This is how we put the God kind of faith into action right here. And so here's the deal. Start speaking to the mountain. Start finding obstacles, hindrance, things in your life and begin to speak to them. Have you ever done that, Pastor? I've done this and I've done this. Hebrews 10, 23 says this. Hold fast the profession of your faith. In other words, don't let go of the profession of your faith. Keep speaking the word of God out. Hold on to that confession. Don't let go of it. Have that bulldog faith. And I thought a couple examples that could help you in this is, you know, years ago I had a job, but I needed a better job. 
And so we begin to speak to this. That was an obstacle in our life. I had a bunch of mouths that I needed to feed, so I needed a better job. How many of you have ever needed a better job or you need a better job right now? Well, we got to praying and we said, Father God, and we looked to you and we prayed and me and Shelly, we spoke to that mountain. And I, I remember in this situation that there was a really good job that was open. And I found out that 300 people applied for that one position. I was one of them. And they started whittling it down. And before long, they were down to five. And I was still in the top five. And we were holding on to the profession of, thank you, Father God, for your faith. And they whittled it down to two. And it's me and this other guy. And I can tell you the other guy's name right now. And man, I knew, man, my God is so good. And we went in there. And the guy who was doing the interview, he looked and said, you know, we, we love both of you. But we're going to hire him. And they pointed to the other guy. And you know what I said? Well, that's just craptacular. That's in the Greek, okay? Don't, don't lose yourself. That's not what I said. But. And I remember walking into the house and, oh, my gosh, I was so dejected. And thank God I had a wife that believed God. And she looked at me and said, hang on to the word of God. Her exact words to me. You know what she said? She said, you know what? I believe with all my heart, God's got something better for you. And I thought, thank God you believe that. <laughs> we kept praying. Two weeks later, that same guy called me back and he said, you know the reason I didn't give you that job? He said, I had a better one for you. Hold on to the profession of your faith. There was a time in Shelly's life that she needed a job. She'd got her degree in May as a school teacher, and we just knew God was going to move, and the end of May went, the end of June went, the end of July went. School was starting early August, and she didn't have a job. And we kept speaking to the mountain. Three days later, right before school started, there was a phone rang. Hold on to the profession of faith. Just, doesn't, just because it doesn't happen on your time, don't give up. Hold on. I remember a time in our life when we were married, newlyweds, and man, we had one car. And it seemed like all she did was take me to work or pick me up. How many of you have ever been there? It's like, dear Lord, we're just back and forth, back and forth. And I said, Lord, we need a job. We need a car. And we begin to speak to that mountain just like that. Father God, we thank you right now that we ask you to intervene. Lead us to a car. And the issue was... We couldn't afford very much. And God supernaturally worked. And maybe you've heard my little story of my little Toyota. It cost me $325. You can't even buy a good swim bicycle for $325. And some of you said, Pastor, did it run? It ran. Did it have wheels? Well, kind of. But we were so blessed. It was a blessing of God. Hold fast the confession of your faith. Hold on to it. This was Jesus' words. And so again, he's telling his disciples, come on, fellas, you got to get this. you got to learn how, how the God kind of faith works. Turn with me to the book of James, chapter 3. James, chapter 3. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you this passage here in James. I will speak on this numerous times through this year. 
It's, it's this significance because my goal in, in sharing the word of God with you is you're going to see how important your little tongue is. You're, you're going to see the power of your tongue right here, okay? James 3, verse 1. My brethren, Christians born again, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. So what does a teacher do? He opens his mouth and he says stuff. And the Lord Jesus warns right here, said, not let many of you become teachers because when you become a teacher, I'm gonna hold you to a stricter judgment, not only for what you say, but your lifestyle, the way you influence people. Now, when I hire a young one that goes to work for the church on our staff, you know what I tell them? We gotta sit down and we gotta read James 3.1. I want you to know what you're getting ready to get into. So right here, he's saying, listen, you better think before you speak. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. Yes, we do. If anyone does not stumble in word... If anyone does not stumble with the things he speaks out of his mouth. Now listen to this. He is a perfect man, which denotes soundness, which denotes maturity. And, and, and I want to highlight this. He does not stumble in his words. You know what that tells me? It's very easy for people to stumble in their word. But he says the one that begins to mature and the one that begins to be very careful that he's like a surgeon with his words, that he thinks before he speaks. He is a perfect man and he is able also to bridle the whole body. What we say and what we don't say is very important. Now, did you get what he said? With the power of your tongue, your words, you are able to bridle the whole body. You can get the body to stop. You can get the body to go. You can get the body to go to the left, to the right, just with your words. You know what I found out in life? Those who say they can and those who say they can't, they're both right. Let me chew on that one a little bit, okay? Verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths. Why? That they may obey us. So that little piece of metal that goes into a horse's mouth, that bit, it has the ability to cause that horse to obey. But he didn't stop with obeying. He said, and we turn their whole body or we're able to direct them wherever we want them to go. Just with that little piece of metal in their mouth. You can control the horse. You can teach it to go where you want it to. Now listen to the parallel of that. You can control your body by taming your tongue. Do you not like the direction you're going in life? Then get a bit in your mouth. Ooh. Now watch all these analogies. This, this, this whole chapter is packed and loaded with good stuff. Verse 4. Look also at ships. 
although they are so large, a, a cruise ship, a, a military or, or naval fighting ships, those things are ginormous. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. The rudder is incredibly small in proportion to the ship. And he ends in verse 4 and he says, wherever the pilot desires. Now, the parallel of this is your tongue is small compared to your entire body. And the words out of your mouth have the ability to change your direction because you're the pilot. Wow. Now, if I'm the pilot of, of my tongue, which I am and you're of your, don't, don't try to blame other people. And so he's getting over on this over and over. Verse 2, the power of your tongue. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So now, when we think about building a fire, you, you start a little fire with a little bit of kindling. And you put a little bit more kindling on there, and all of a sudden it catches, and before long you got a big fire. And so the parallel of this that I believe he's talking about is we speak a little negative here, and a little negative there, and a little doubt and unbelief here, and a little doubt and unbelief there. And before long, the log is blowed up, and it's on fire. And, and I love his statement there that he said, it boasts great things. The tongue has incredible dominion. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity or unrighteousness. The tongue is so set among our members that it has the ability to defile the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. You know what he just said there? Let me help you with this. That my tongue has the ability to set in motion the cycles of my life. A fire that passes through successive generations. And so he gets over on some things that an uncontrolled tongue can cause incredible damage. So if an uncontrolled tongue can be like a forest fire, what's the power of a controlled tongue? Now I've been studying before on, on a forest fire. They said when a forest fire burns, that area that it burns, it takes it 13 years to come back to what it used to be. Wow. He's highlighting the tongue. Verse 7. For every kind of the beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. The tongue is unruly and is full of deadly poison. So what he's getting over here is this. Mankind has the ability to tame the lions, the bears. We train parakeets to talk. We all pay to go to SeaWorld to watch the dolphins flip and the walruses clap. 
But he said, no man can tame the tongue. And he highlighted the tongue is a deadly poison. The tongue is like a venomous snake. It spews. And so we can't contain the tongue. But God can. And so one of the greatest things that can happen to us is when the Holy Spirit begins to move in our life. And one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, 23 is Self-control. Self-control. How many of you could use self-control in your tongue? It's okay to raise your hand. Because if you don't, you're lying. And I'm going to pray for liars after now. Holy Spirit, go to work in me. Go to work in me. Guard my tongue. Real quickly, verse 9. With it, our tongue, we bless God our Father, and with it, our tongue, we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So you know what he just said to believers? He said, you ought to be speaking blessing, blessing, blessing. He said, quit speaking blessing one day and cursing the next. My brethren... My fellow believers, you're born. these things ought not to, to be so. And then he comes on, verse 11, and says, Does the spring uh, send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. That's unnatural. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? No. That's unnatural. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh and so he's saying here, man, you've got to get a hold of your words. Be careful what you say, little mouth. Many of you will remember this. And I'm sure your mother said this to you and all your mothers. You may have said this before too. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. How many of you have ever heard that? I'd hear that, and my mom would have a bar of soap, and I'd think, man, I better get this. If you can't think, say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But do you think mama would tell you to? If, if you're going to speak negative and unbelief, don't say anything at all. And so the point here is to get us where we become very conscious, not over the words we speak out of our mouth, but something happens when I start speaking the word of God. When I learn to think in line with the Word of God, when I believe in line with the Word of God, and I start speaking in line on the Word of God, there's going to be a return on your investment. And so I, I challenge you, start speaking the Word of God out of your mouth. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. So part of this happens. I hear a person the other day, and they make this comment. I hate the winner. I hate January, February, and March. In our lives, we are all always sick, and we are all always depressed. I hate this time of the year. Almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so to end with this, just this thought right here. Years ago, that I would start belly aching and complaining. You know, we're really funny people. 
Right now we can complain and complain about how cold it is. And then come July, we complain and complain about how hot it is. Kind of back and forth. And so much of our complaining can be off of weather. It it can be off of finances. Anything that can spring us to begin to yak, begin to yak, begin to yak, begin to yak. And so there was a couple years ago, I, I began to yak. And I'd say stuff, and I'm telling you, the the Holy Spirit would try to, he was trying, the Holy Spirit will monitor you if you'll listen to him. Well, I wasn't listening. And one day I got in here, and a lot of times we call prayer, prayer. When it's not prayer, it's nothing more than a griping session. And so I was complaining to God, and the Lord said to me, he said, life and death are in the power of your tongue. And so from now on, everything that you say out of your mouth, I want you to tag it at the end and you say, and that's just exactly the way I want it to be. Well, I hate June, June, July, and August, and that's just the way I want it to be. You know, in the winter, we're always depressed, and that's just the way I want it to be. And you know what? We never have any money. We can't go to the marriage retreat. We never have any money, and that's just the way I want it to be. You know, life's so unfair at work. I should have got this promotion. I never get promoted, and that's just the way I want it to be. Well, I would begin to say something, and I would remember the Lord said, you tag that, that's just the way I want it to be. You know, in my marriage, all we do is fight like cats and dogs, and that's just the way I want it to be. So what began to happen was, it was almost like I'd stomp my foot and say, that's not just the way I want it to be. And the Lord was saying, listen, you're spewing Your tongue boasts great things, but the things you're boasting about, they're really not what you want, but you kept saying this, and you kept speaking to the mountain the negativity instead of what I said. So what are you speaking out of your mouth? So here's your homework assignment. And that's just the way I want it to be. And that's just the way I want it to be. And guess what will begin to happen? You'll begin to look and you'll say, that's not the way I want it to be. So anyone who doesn't stumble in word, he's able to bridle his whole body. Now everything I said, I didn't say that, okay? God said it in his word. And that's what I love it. This is the word of God, guys. James took this whole entire chapter to say, this is the significance of your tongue. So what would happen starting 2021 if I started saying, you know what? 2021 is going to be the best year of my life. And that's just the way I want it to be. I know in 2021, something good's going to happen to me. And that's just the way I want it to be. I know in 2021, my son is going to give his heart to Jesus. And that's just the way I want it to be. I know in 2020, it's going to be the best year of my marriage. And that's just the way I want it to be. Well, two of you got it. Why don't you stand on your, on your feet here with me? Woo, you got to get these things, guys. And one of the reasons I love to talk about this, we're, we're early in this year. And begin to speak to the mountain. And I gave you a lot of, of, of stories that pertain to the physical stuff. I've done it spiritually, guys. I've stood on the word spiritually. Not not a proud moment for me to share this, but I mean, I I was a a walking teenage alcoholic. 
I, I depended on that. And I took the word of God, just like you can. Colossians 1.13. He delivered me from the power of darkness. And I began to stand on that. I began to speak to that mountain. And you know what I'd say? I thank you, Father God, you've delivered me from alcohol. I thank you, alcohol, you have no dominion over me. It's a process. Do you know it's a process to tame the animals, to perform at SeaWorld? Doesn't happen overnight. Stick with the profession of your faith. Keep speaking. Find, find the scriptures and then, man, get a hold of them. Bow your head here. Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word again. And Lord, all, all over your house here, Father God, grace, grace us, Father God, grace us with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, birth within a self-control. Birth within us to, to be very conscientious of the very words that, that we speak out of our mouth. And Lord, right now, we, we declare the start of this year, we're going to speak the word. We're going to allow the word of God to steer our ship. And Lord, I pray blessings on over everyone in here. And I thank you, Father God, that you begin to move in hearts as we start this year. Bless everyone. I'm going to stir up the God kind of faith within us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.